0: Hi, everyone,
1: and welcome to another episode of the Sydney Coach Replay Show. I'm your host, Corey Camp. And for today's episode, we have Mindy Plansky, one of the elite team members of our virtual coaching team. And in addition to coaching for Sydney, Mindy is completing her 29th year in education. She's been an instructional coach, as well as a classroom teacher. She's a national board certified teacher and a local letters trainer. And a master teacher for the state of maryland so currently mindy teaches all content areas to her third graders welcome mindy good morning how are you i'm good i'm good i uh it's you know we're recording this right after the new year so i am um just adjusting to 2020 life oh. and i'm just getting back to work uh so i'm excited that you're here with us today because we're going to be talking about Uh, transitions during the school day and specifically identifying the impact of transitions, the typical transitions that we have, how long that they take, um, and how to set our students up for success when transitioning. So tell us a little bit, um, what what do we mean by transitions for anyone who might be new to education or might need that operationally defined? um, What do we mean by transitions and why are they so important to us in the the scope of academics?
0: So uh, a lot of people think, oh, you have such a long time during the day, you've got six and a half hours of teaching. And really, there is a lot of instructional time that can be lost. And one of the biggest culprits is transitions. Transitions are those times when students or even teachers are moving from one thing to the next. And if not taught properly, if not thought about um, before, teaching um, they can really eat up a lot of time so it's really important that teachers identify transitions within their day um, identify developmentally what's appropriate to expect from a transition from students and to practice those transitions so that students are aware of how those times are impacting their instructional time as well
1: yeah and I think that's so important you know I think back to years ago when I was a, a first year teacher, I definitely knew about like entering and exiting the classroom and the times that we were transitioning from the classroom to like the library. But um, it was those little bitty transitions that I didn't give much thought to that first year. And then I also I'm excited we're going to talk about kind of how to identify transitions, because I was constantly looking for a list of the different transitions that I might need to have a procedure for and might need to practice and and train on. So um, so how do we how do we begin to identify those transitions
0: then? Well, like you said, they're the obvious ones, the ones when they're coming in and they have to put their book bag away or they're get ready with their materials. And then um, when the bell rings, if it's uh, middle school or high school, how how they get up and leave. But what I do is, I go through my entire day and I think about when my students are going to have to shift from one thing to the next. So, for example, um, if we start off with our language arts lesson and I'm teaching vocabulary or word study, and then they have to shift and decide, um, you know, they have to take out their notebook because they're going to share a response from the previous day that's a transition, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, not just because you say, all right, take out your notebook and turn to your ELA tab. There's a lot that goes on there. So um, I go through and I think about what I have to do during the lesson and what my students have to do. And then I can identify the, um, the transitions that I need to model for my students and have them practice and give them feedback and discuss, you know, success criteria of what a good transition should look like. And ultimately the goal is, Let's transition in the appropriate amount of time so that we can get our work done. Yeah. And so
1: talk to me a little bit about when this this happens. So it sounds like you're talking about just in the general lesson plan, but we kind of do this at the beginning of the year as well to Absolutely. identify those those key ones that can be like your na- your mainstays throughout the Right. And the that's, year. that's
0: what I do at the beginning. It's at definitely, mm-hmm. I have a chart that I, um, you know, tick off, okay, I've taught this strategy, I've taught this strategy for transition. So you don't want to overwhelm children at the beginning of of students Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. So you pick out the ones that are most critical for them to learn at the beginning. And you also have to keep in mind that there's going to be plenty of times that you're going to have to review and reinforce and restate your expectations for the transition. So absolutely at the beginning of the year, think about all those transitions, because those are the routines and expectations that you need to have in place in order to be able to have a successful lesson. I mean, you could create the most engaging and synergetic lesson, but if your transitions get in the way, you'll, you're never going to get time to complete the lesson. So,
1: yeah. Oh my gosh. That is the truth. I know we've talked about this in another replay episode with another coach that I was speaking with. Um, and, I talked about how my I ran into trouble with pacing pretty early on and I couldn't figure out what it was. And for me, it was my my own routine as a teacher as I greeted students at the door and then I got caught at the door, you know, minding the students who were walking really slow to their class and so then they need to hurry up. And I spent all my time at the door and then I came in and would chat with a few students and kind of have create those personal connections. And by the time I actually started my lesson, Way more time than I in my mind that that entering sure. transition actually happened. So, right. so how much time should these transitions take? How do you how do you kind of plan that out? Because that's something to consider, right? That was what well, I was not considering in my lesson plans.
0: Right. So first, you want to think about the um, the age or the developmental level of the student. Mm-hmm. Um, If you're going to give multi-step directions you know for maybe a a high school class or a middle school class maybe they can have those multi-step directions but in some of the elementary schools you have to really make sure you break it down and give them the amount of time that is pushing them just enough to let them know that this is a habit that you're going to have to get into because this is the amount of time i'm giving you for it Um, and um, you also have to think about processing speed that That children have some children process at a different speed than other children. Um, I have a funny story this year we were talking about coming in from recess and um, my classroom is on the second floor of the building and so I felt like it was taking a long time for us to come in and settle down from recess so I asked the boys and girls um, how long do they think it should take us and I had one student that said 45 seconds. And I wasn't sure where our jetpacks were at that point. That's right. right. <laughs> that's a little too, too you know, short of a time. And then I had somebody else say five minutes. No, that's a little bit too long. So mm-hmm. it's it's good to get a student's perspective, but it could be trial and error. You know, you might have to say, well, I think it should take three minutes and then time it. Get out the timer. Mm-hmm. See how long it takes. See what's getting in your way. Um, sometimes it's the teacher who is causing some of that. That was me. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, I, I would do the same thing. I would catch myself. I'm very big on videotaping myself because Mm -hmm. that way I can go back and reflect on what I've said, how I've said it, who I'm looking at. And a lot of the time I was missing time because I couldn't find things I was looking for. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So I was, I had to set up a station for myself so that I could shave some of that time off. And it really it didn't, it didn't occur to me that I was the one (laughs) causing the the lost time. And so the kids were just following my example. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I would start with erring on the side of a little bit too much time Mm -hmm. and then see if you can shave time off.
1: Yeah. We used to, speaking of like, I I used to carry a stopwatch with me. Mm -hmm. And so when we were practicing a new transition, we would talk about, you know, okay, I think this should take us only about five seconds, you know, to, to move from working with your partner to back to your seat. And then we would kind of time that and see how close we could get. And sometimes we'd have to bump it up a little bit. Sometimes right. we would realize, oh, five seconds is generous enough for us to move just this couple of feet
0: cool. um, and
1: get settled and and like everybody's still. Um, so I would, but I would use that stopwatch. And then I also use like the stopwatch on my projector so they could see the time. Most of the time though, that stopwatch was, for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I could make sure that I'm not kind of getting caught into a rabbit hole or, or I'm right. still trying to find my stuff. So right. Um,
0: right. yeah, anyway, I think that's great. I'm sorry. The other thing is that sometimes students have no perception of time. Yes, They don't know what 45 seconds feels like mm-hmm. or, you know, five seconds looks like. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. So it's yeah. important that they are aware of the expectations, mm-hmm. that they're aware of their time and you know how they are. And um, one of the things that I like to use is a doorbell. I don't know if you've ever seen those um, wireless doorbells now that teachers are uh-huh. using in the classroom. I'm and so they have all different melodies. And I took the time to time each one of the different melodies to see. And mm-hmm. so when I press the doorbell, and they hear a certain song they know they have till the end of that song to get to do whatever you know get ready for the next thing and some doorbell chimes are longer than others so mm-hmm. it worked out pretty good so that's another thing to help cue students into this is, i know the song's going to end in a couple seconds so i better yeah. hurry up and do what i need to do i love that you mentioned that i also
1: use like music to help my transitions and so American Idol and Philip Phillips was really big and his song Home came out. And so that was our song to go back to your desk. Anytime we had any kind of in-class transition and they needed to move back to their desk and be ready to come back together as a whole group, I had just a, a short clip and it was timed. So mm-hmm. they knew exactly how long that clip was and it would play just the chorus of that song. And then they'd know to, they'd all be kind of singing it as they get back to their space. And right. um, I loved using music for transitions. I so think it I. was you know, students kind of entering the the classroom to kind of set the tone when we were reading like Sleepy Hollow and all those things were a lot of fun. And I love that you mentioned recording yourself to, you know, kind of look at that and gauge, you know, how everybody, I also did that. And so sometimes I would see that, you know, so-and-so just has no idea what he's doing at this time. he's just kind of looking around at everybody else to kind of follow the leader. And I had some students who needed their own kind of checklist Absolutely. and in and, and those individual supports as well. So I would kind of think about Who needs that based off of what I see on that video? Right. So you figured out how much time it's going to take. You've identified the transitions first and then figured out about how much time it will take. What's next when we talk about our transitions? So
0: The next thing is it's critical that you model for the students what you expect them to do. So, for example, um, in the morning, I also play a song called Good Morning and um, they come in and they're supposed to go to their lockers, put their stuff away, go to their desks, get a chair, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. But instead of me telling them, I think it's so critical that you put the onus on them to see what it is that you're doing so they can describe mm-hmm. it and then they make it their own. So I would you know, tell them, OK, right now we're going to practice transitioning from um, whole group to small group. Now, watch what I do. And I don't say anything. And that was really difficult for me because I'm a talker and I like to narrate everything that's going on. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. When you do that, it takes responsibility away from the students um, to pay attention because they don't need to look because you're you're narrating it for them. So I would I would um, execute the transition properly, and then I would have students raise their hands and tell me what did they notice. Well, um, I noticed that as soon as. The transition music started you um put your paper in the binder you closed your binder and then you put it in your desk okay or if if someone says i noticed you didn't shove your work in your desk okay well what did what did you see at me do so yes they can tell you what they didn't see but ultimately you want them to tell you what they did see and then Mm Then you have um, students come up and one at a time model for you and for the class. Sort of like a fishbowl activity where everybody's looking. Um, I wouldn't have the whole class do it, but at some point during the day, you want to make sure that everybody knows the expectations. They've got that like muscle memory going on for what it's going to feel like when we transition. So those interactive modeling where, you know, you you don't say a word and you just, do the expectation, and after that, then we would list um, the success criteria. Okay, Mm -hmm. so what will it look like if we want to be successful in transitioning from whole group to small group, what's that going to look like? Or um, if how will we know we're being successful if by the time we switch classes and the next class comes in and we're ready to start, how will we know we'll be successful? Well, because at 1240, we need to start teaching and learning and we look at the clock and yep, there it is. It's 1240. So
1: yeah. And that's helpful because then you can identify that success criteria as you see it. So you can say, you know, I see Sally is already at her desk with her pencils out and her book open and, you know, great job. And now I see, you know, Sally's friend doing it. So you can kind of support and reinforce, do that positive reinforcement of the success criteria as
0: well. So And and if the student isn't doing the right thing, you could call on them and say, okay, Holly, um, what should you be doing right now? You know, mm-hmm. what are, what is our expectations? So that cues them into, yep. Oh, wait a minute. What was I supposed to be doing?
1: So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So then we've, identified we've timed it out we have practiced we've done some interactive modeling and now it's time to look at that smooth transition right because it doesn't happen the first day that's something (laughs) when i'm coaching teachers i'm like i mean give it a good week if you're doing it every day if you're not if this is not an everyday thing know that it's going to take some time to work those kinks out so
0: so what does this look like for you so um again practice makes permanent so if you practice it the wrong way, it's going to be a, ha- a habit in the wrong way. So you mm-hmm. wanna always provide that feedback, corrective feedback. And I have a chart in my room that um, has all of the transitions that we're working on. It doesn't list every single transition, but all the ones mm-hmm. we're working on and a date and I time it. And so we can see our progress. Mm-hmm. And then we can um, then as a class, cause I do morning meetings, um, through a you know, responsive classroom and we talk about, okay, what went well with this transition? Mm-hmm. What didn't go well, you know? Um, and many times, uh, you know, students have said, well, you gave the directions too quickly or I wasn't finished doing my work and I didn't hear. So, yeah. you know, then that leads me to another thing that I need to do. Oh, I need an attention signal to help let mm-hmm. the transitions are starting. So it really behooves you to, to collaborate with your students because they see things that you might not see, that you might not even catch, if you're videotaping, you know, yeah. letting them unpack their thinking as to why things happen the way they they do. So yeah,
1: do you ever show your students the the video of the transition so you can kind of look back at that together? I know some teachers who have done that and have been very. I, successful. I have done
0: that, um, yeah. and but I have to make sure, just like when you show student work or mm-hmm. things like that 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 we are all learning together. Yeah. that we're not going to laugh at anything. We're not going to, you know, make. Uh, you know, excuses or point fingers, but it's just as a community, that's how we grow and how we get along and how we work to solve each other's problems and work towards our goals. So. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really powerful. And, you know, that's something that, um, that will really, like you said, it's going to take you much further in the long run to kind of go through that and figure out, okay, I need a stronger attention signal. Um, That's why the kids in the back corner of the room didn't start moving with everybody else because they didn't hear
0: me at that time. So, You've also picked up on something that's really critical is the why. I mean, no matter how old the student is, you need to tell them why because that way they can buy into it. So if they don't know, you know, so one of the things we do <clears throat> to help with transition is a call and respond. And so I'll say class, class, and the class responds, yes, yes. Or if I say class, um, hocus pocus, they'll say yes, everybody focus. But the first couple of um, times I use that, I didn't tell them why. So they mm-hmm. didn't really know why we yeah, were doing like, it. Yeah, they're like, why am I, I saying this? <laughs> right, I'm saying it, but I'm still doing whatever it is that I, so I, had to tell them the reason why we're doing this is so that you can know that that's your signal that you need to stop Mm -hmm. and that we're going to transition into something else. So Mm -hmm. it's really important that they know what the transition is. They know how to transition. They know what a successful transition transition looks like. And they know that the reason why it's important to to transition the way we do. And, you know, I'd
1: also like to remind everyone that, you know, sometimes you've Got a great plan and it looks good on paper and it goes well in the modeling, but then in actuality, it doesn't work very well. I had a teacher, she was doing stations for the first time, middle school. I was coaching with her and um she was really nervous about doing stations and she she put everything together she had this beautiful preparation of each of these stations she had seven stations they we were going to be rotating through. Yeah. And it went well when we modeled it and it went well the you know with the first group but what she realized by the end of it she she just couldn't handle she's like I don't think these groups are for me because when they transition it, I mean like desks moved like <laughs> just, we had big football players kind of moving through the classroom and By the end of the class period, everything was everywhere. The desks weren't even in groups any longer. It was a mess um, because everybody was getting up and moving at the same time. And so it wasn't that the group wasn't working. In fact, the students loved the small group work that they were doing. It wasn't that she wasn't prepared with her materials, but the transition just with the kiddos at the time was not working very well. So what we decided was she had these great boxes. Let's just move the boxes. So we would, um, we taught them to take a moment to gather all the materials, put everything into the box for the next, for that station. And then one person, the materials manager picked it up and brought it over to the next desk. And so we just had seven people up in the classroom moving, and then they'd go back to their seat, open up their box, and they're ready to go. And that worked so much better for that classroom. You know, we talked about Maybe, you know, with some smaller classes, we'll get everybody up and moving. But for right now, just moving the materials is a great transition for right. her. So and sometimes we've got to rethink it.
0: Right. And that, that's the sign of a reflective teacher. Yeah. Because otherwise, if you say, well, that didn't work, I'm not going to do that again. You know, I'll yeah. well, give yeah. it some time, figure out what the barriers are, what mm-hmm. the obstacles are, and, you know, try again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about just
1: that briefly when we coach transitions. What are your big tips for... Um, coaches or teachers who are working on coaching themselves through this transition period? Any big tips aside from the ones I think you've done a beautiful job kind of t- breaking down the process of of coming up with a great transition and working with that to be smooth. Um, but what, what else would you tell people who are coaching or working to coach themselves?
0: I would definitely suggest, highly suggest videotaping. Mm-hmm. Um, I read somewhere that teachers make you know more decisions during the day than some people make in a week. Yeah, <laughs> so Yes. You have to remember that while you're transitioning and you're thinking of what's the next thing and I got to remember to do this and so videotaping really helps you to pay attention to what the students are actually doing. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely suggest um, videotaping themselves. I would suggest them if they don't have the opportunity to videotape maybe having someone come in or even a student look at what's going on during the transition. Mm-hmm. What are my students doing? And how is that mm-hmm. different from what I expect them? And make sure that you know what you do expect because if you don't know what you expect your students to do then they're not gonna know what to yeah. do anyway. So just being um, proactive. And then um, as the transitions are happening and you know mm-hmm. behaviors get habitualized. So maybe after a couple of weeks or maybe a few months It's slipping a little bit, your transition time. So just make sure that those are critical moments to um, capture more instructional time so that um, you're really being reflective on your teaching practice.
1: Yeah. I love that. And you know, it's, even if you don't have, I love the idea of videoing because that's that can be really helpful. And place that camera in different places in Absolutely. the classroom. I mean, the transitions are about the students, so this is a great opportunity to record your students and not necessarily have to be in camera, which a lot of people don't enjoy being on <laughs> camera. I've been doing it twelve years and still don't enjoy it. But um, yeah, move that camera around. But then you could also, you know, that success criteria that we talked about earlier put those down and put a little checkbox next to them and have a student with a stopwatch just hey time how long it takes us to get from a to b and check off the things that you see and then they can just turn it into you and go right into work and you can take a look at it later on and use that to help you reflect so um that's great that's great so anything else about transitions as we end up wrapping up today anything
0: else for our audience um just make sure you don't go into transition overload Mm -hmm. Um, you don't want to have Fifty different songs for fifty different transitions. Yeah. Um, you know, I could see myself with the doorbell, with the wireless doorbell, just you know, plugging away and everything. But yeah. you know, it's that it's not to entertain me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not to show how cool gadgets I have. It's mm-hmm. to make sure that students realize that yes, this is what I mean when we transition, and this is the amount of time because we're here to mm-hmm. maximize the amount of time we are together.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and and with that, I would add, you know, at the beginning of the year, that's the key time to be teaching those routines. Right now, everybody's kind of going back over them and maybe adding a few in there
0: mm-hmm. and
1: really thinking about that purposefulness, as you mentioned, that why and know, when it needs to happen. So like on day one of the school year, I don't need to teach my students the how do we, you know, walk to the library together because we're not going to the library for two weeks. Right. So hold off on those, teach them as they come up and as they're meaningful and not try to go through all of them and then expect everyone to remember all the different things. So. Well, this has been a really great conversation, Mindy. I'm so glad that you joined us today. And I know we're going to have you back for some more episodes, break down some footage with you. So thanks again. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again soon. So audience tune in next week for another episode of the Sydney coach replay show.